0: amen how many know that god is good and all the time all the time amen well it's um it's a beautiful november day isn't it right (laughs) i love it i love this weather because um it's not raining it's just cool it's it's a little muggy out there isn't it It, it, or is it just me it's muggy out there but i like the change i like the cooler temperatures but today at five o'clock guess what it's going to be dark outside that's the only part I don't like, is the darkness and how much less, less light we have. But uh, it's only for a season. Amen? Everybody said amen to that. Well, I want to I wanna start with a funny story. Um, I thought about sharing this. Some of you may have heard this before. I actually heard Joyce Meyer say this. How many you know who Joyce Meyer is? She's a well-known TV evangelist. Anyways, here it goes. A store that sells new husbands has opened in New York City, where a woman may go to choose a husband. And the store has six floors. So a woman goes to the husband's store to find a husband. On the first floor, the sign on the door reads, Floor number one, these men have jobs. She's intrigued, but continues to the second floor, where the sign reads, Floor number two, These men have jobs and love kids. Well, that's nice, she thinks, but I want more. So she continues upward, and the third floor sign reads, floor number three. These men have jobs, love kids, and are extremely good-looking. Wow, she thinks, but feels compelled to keep going on. She goes to the fourth floor, and the sign reads, floor number four. These men have jobs, love kids, are drop-dead good-looking, and help with housework. Oh, mercy me, she exclaims. I can hardly stand it. Still, she goes to the fifth floor, and the sign reads, floor number five. These men have jobs, love kids, are drop-dead gorgeous, help with housework, and have a very strong romantic streak. She is tempted to stay. But she goes to the sixth floor, where the sign reads, floor number six, your visitor, 31,456,000, number 12, to this floor. There are no men on this floor. This floor exists solely as proof that women are impossible to please. Thank you for shopping at the husband store. I'll get the guys on another time, okay, on another occasion. I just thought that was cute. I've heard it multiple times before. And I figured, why not? I'll share that here today. How many enjoyed that? Yeah? All right. Good, good. Don't get after me, okay? I didn't mean that against you. It's just just a funny story. Well, let us pray. Let's transition. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time. These next few moments, we pray, God, your blessings upon your word. Help us to open our heart, open our minds to your word. Give us, Lord, something from your word today that will speak to us and we pray that in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. So <clears throat> you were given a, a handout. Hopefully you have one. And I want to focus today on and take a look at the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, how many remember the Old Testament Ark of the Covenant and its connection to the power of the Holy Spirit? It's a divine connection, um, which is emphasizing the significance of God's presence and the transformation power of the Holy Spirit. There is a direct link between the things that occur in the Old Testament and the things that are fulfilled in the New Testament. It's a pattern that we see throughout the Bible. And I want to take you to the sermon text for today, which is found in the book of Exodus, chapter 25. And We're going to read verses 10 through 22. And after this reading, I'm going to show you a picture up on the screen of what that Ark of the Covenant looked like in case you're having trouble picturing it or haven't seen one ever. So, starting in verse 10, these are the, let me preface this, these are the instructions that were given to Moses on how to make these articles for the temple, for the, or for the, uh, the, the, the tabernacle when they were out in the wilderness. And they were to make this. Uh, ark of the covenant so starting in verse 10 have them make an ark of acacia wood two and a half cubits long a cubit and a half wide and a cubit and a half high let me just stop there for those wondering what in the world is a cubit a cubit is a measure an ancient measure of length of approximately 18 inches in length so just take that measurement and know that that's an 18 inch approximate uh, distance okay It was, verse 11, overlay it with pure gold, both inside and out, and make a gold molding around it. Cast four gold rings for it and fasten them to its four feet with two rings on one side and two rings on the other. Then make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry it. The poles are to remain in the rings of this ark. They are not to be removed. Then put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law, which I will give you. Verse 17. Make an atonement cover of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide. And make two cherubim out of hammered gold at the ends of the cover. Make one cherub on one end and the second cherub on the other. And make the cherubim of one piece with the cover at the two ends. And the cherubim are to have their wings spread upward, overshadowing the cover with them. And the cherubim are to face each other, looking toward the cover. Place the cover on top of the ark, and put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law that I will give you. There above the the cover, between the two cherubim, that are the... That are over the ark of the covenant law, I will meet with you, I will meet with you and give you all my commands for the Israelites. See, the ark in the Israelite community to those believers, not just yet, it, it, it represented the presence of God with the people of Israel. Wherever that ark went, the presence of God moved with them it was a symbol for them and also for other people that god almighty was with them throughout the bible in the old testament you'll see that they were led by a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night amen only the priests from the tribe of levi could carry the ark of the covenant they were the only ones designated to to be able to lift that ark up nobody was to touch them to touch the ark by hands. In fact, one story, David, King David's people were carrying the ark of the covenant. He was headed back to Jerusalem when all of a sudden it started to tip and one of them jumped out to stop the ark from falling and he died instantly, the Bible says. They were not to touch the ark. Why is that? Because God is holy and we enter a place of holiness without the Holy Spirit in us we, we would die. That's why we, you and I, and I'm getting ahead of myself now, can approach Almighty God because we have the Spirit of God living inside of us. Let's put that photo up on the screen. I don't know if we need to dim the lights. Maybe dim the lights a little bit. So Dim the lights. Turn the lights off. <laughs> can you see that? <clears throat> see the poles? Two poles and then the two angels on top, the cherubs. And then that's the mercy seat on top. In between the two angels is where God's Shekinah glory, his presence would dwell. He said that his presence would be located right there. And inside of this Ark of the Covenant were three items. The Ten Commandments, the, the tablets of stone. There was a pot of manna which was fed to the Israelites. They ate that day by day by day. And also the rod of Aaron which had blossomed. And so those three items were in the Ark of the Covenant. Amen. You can get the lights back on. And uh, the Bible doesn't tell us, we don't know, history doesn't tell us where the Ark of the Covenant is today. Some people believe it was destroyed when Jerusalem was destroyed. Some people believe that they hid it. Some people believe it's a church in Ethiopia. That's one of the biggest... um, stories out there. There's a certain church in Ethiopia, and they believe they are the keepers of the original Ark of the Covenant. Other people believe it's still under the Temple Mount buried there right now, and that one day it will be exposed again. We don't know where it eventually went. But here's, here's what I want to touch on, the mercy seat. The meaning of the seat was significant. That was the cover That was called the mercy seat because God's Shekinah glory appeared over the mercy seat. His presence would come on in that place. And so picture this. This was in the tabernacle. This is in the wilderness. It wasn't a building. It was a tabernacle, a convertible uh, synagogue, essentially. And there was the holy place and then the holiest of holies, which is a room that only the priest was allowed to enter. And in that holiest of holy place was where the Ark of the Covenant was located. And once a year, the priest was to put the bull's blood, offer a sacrifice, and pour it on the mercy seat. And God's presence would come there. And that was a sign. It was, a, it was called the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, which we are all familiar with. The Day of Atonement, what it was was a propitiation for the sins of of the Hebrews what it was was God's way of saying look this is a sacrifice for your sins and so I'm saying that so that you see what happens in the New Testament are you tracking with me following with me so the mercy seat was significant it was how the Lord communicated with his people let's read the next verse in Exodus chapter 13 on your outline starting in verse 21 by day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Did you catch that? The Israelites were guided day and night. Every, every day they looked to those signs. Well, where should we go now, Lord? And the Lord would lead. Ever wonder in your life, where should I go to now, Lord? What should I do now, Lord? Do you ever wonder that? The Holy Spirit is within us to lead and guide us. It hasn't changed. In fact, it's only gotten better. And we'll touch on that. Wherever the people of God moved through the wilderness journey that they were on, the ark moved with them. God's presence was with them. You know, the scriptures say that God will never leave us nor forsake us. How many are thankful for that? No matter what you've gone through, no matter how rough your night was, how, day, how bad your day was, uh, how bad the work week was, God will never leave you nor forsake you, amen? And, and that's the importance of what I want to touch on today, that the power of God's presence was in the midst of his people. It was always there, always there. And here's what I want you to also understand. Before the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, the Holy Spirit did not come into the hearts of people like he does today. The Holy Spirit now comes into our hearts when we believe on him, when we repent and ask the Lord to come into our lives. That's when the Holy Spirit immediately comes into your life. That did not happen back in the Old Testament. Today, believers are continually in the presence of God and can call on him any time, 24-7, 365. But they, the Old Testament Israelites, didn't have that luxury. The ark, again, was so holy that the priests carried the ark with poles because they dare not touch it. They had a reverence for God, which uh, unfortunately our generation has lost. God is a holy God, Amen. And that's why we are to reverence our Lord. And so the, the scriptures go on to say, too, that because of his holy nature, the priests would die if they touched the place God resides. The reason for this, as I touched on, is God's presence is so holy, and we are so unclean as sinners. Our sinful nature would immediately cause us to fall dead before the Lord without the Holy Spirit in us. Amen? How many are thankful for the Holy Spirit living inside of you? Amen. Now, now let's contrast that with the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. I want to take you to John chapter 14, which is the promise of the Holy Spirit. It's not on your... Do I have that on your outline? I don't have it on your outline, but let me read this to you. In John chapter 14, listen to the words of Jesus. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus here is talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God tells us that when we first confess, when we first repent of our sins and confess, Jesus Christ, I need you to come into my life, that immediately the Holy Spirit seals you, amen, as believers. Let's read that in Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, and that's on your outline, just the first verse, verse 13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, When you believed on Jesus Christ, the very first time you came to an altar and confessed your sins, Jesus Christ swept your temple out. He swept all the ugliness out, all the hurt, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, and then he replaced that with his spirit. He sealed you at that moment. Every believer receives the Holy Spirit at the time of conversion, but not to be confused with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is something else that I'm going to talk to you about, which we believe in as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells inside of you? That's a statement to every believer that's ever confessed Jesus Christ. How many here are believers that have said, I believe on you, Jesus Christ. I believe on you by faith. Amen. And have has had their sins forgiven. If that's you, the spirit of God lives inside of you. Wherever you go, the spirit of God lives inside of you. Just like that Ark of the Covenant, the Spirit of God lives inside of you. You go to Vallejo, and we need the Spirit of God living in us if we go to Vallejo. If you go to Napa, if you go to Oakland, Sacramento, wherever you go, you take the Spirit of God with you. Amen? The Spirit of God dwells in us. When a non-believer hears the message of the gospel— and chooses to believe in Jesus, and receive salvation, the Holy Spirit immediately comes to live inside of that person at that very moment. That's the beautiful news. That's the beautiful news of salvation. That's why a child can receive salvation at the age of five, six, seven. It's so simple. And this, this is a truth that has never changed over time, amen? And, the, the, the theological term for that is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. When you, are, when you are a believer and receive the Holy Spirit for the first time, when you confess Jesus Christ as Savior, He's marked you, He's sealed you. You now have the Spirit of God living inside of you. Amen? Now, once a person has the Holy Spirit living inside of them, they are now eligible to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is subsequent, just like the disciples the disciples walked with Jesus for three years. They were saved. They didn't get saved years later. They got saved. In fact, in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 22, you can read that on your own. Jesus breathed on them the Spirit of God. They received the Spirit of God when Jesus was still alive. This is right before he was crucified. So here's what I want to tell you about Acts, chapter 1, and verse well, let's see, I'm getting ahead of myself. But when a believer receives the baptism with the Holy Spirit, then you receive power. So what's the difference between receiving the Spirit of God as salvation when you confess Jesus Christ? Lord, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Come today, Lord, and be in my heart. I believe by faith that you died for me, that you rose again three days later. I receive you today. The Bible says you receive the Spirit of God at that moment. So what's the difference between that and the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, I'm glad you asked. Thank you for asking. The power see, we receive power through, through this uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's to represent Jesus in a way that you were not capable of doing so. See, the disciples were saved, but it wasn't until after Jesus died in was resurrected, and that they were told to go pray in Jerusalem in the upper room that they received this power. But were they saved? Yes, they were saved, but they didn't receive the power until later because the Lord knew that they needed the power to fulfill the mission he had for them. Are you tracking with me? And and each of us, too, are on a mission and each of you, too, need power of God. How many know that you need power to overcome things in your life? How many know that you need power every day of your life? So this power is available for every believer to receive. The, the, receiving the power doesn't make you a believer. It's a power available to every believer. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 2. And this is the fulfillment of the promise of that power that I'm talking about. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. It's talking about the disciples and 120 disciples total, including the mother of, of Jesus, were all gathered in this place called the upper room. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven And filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues or languages, as the Spirit enabled them. This was the fulfillment of the power that they needed. This is this is replicated again in Acts chapter 8, Acts Chapter 10, and Acts Chapter 19. But it was first here that the the church was born. The church was born here on this day, on the day of Pentecost. God himself told us that we needed the power. The work of the Holy Spirit is to empower each of you to do what he's asked you to do. How many know that some days uh, are more difficult than others, right? And um, some days you wish you had the power to overcome temptation, whether it's that chocolate cake, that lemon meringue pie, whatever it is, sometimes you want that power to overcome that. And I'm just kidding, but the Holy Spirit can help you with that. The Holy Spirit is available for that. So now let's go to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And it says this, And this is Jesus talking here when he declares, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and American Canyon and Vallejo and Sacramento and throughout California and all the way to the ends of the earth. Amen? Jesus knew that they needed the power to be able to witness. Why? Because they were going to face division. They were going to face battles. They were going to face temptations. They were going to face discouragement all along the way. Anybody ever been there? Face discouragement, face battles, maybe sicknesses, death. God knew that they were going to need an extra measure of his power. That's why he gives that to you. It's available to every believer. Amen. In addition to that, In addition to empowering believers for service, it's also to convict you of sin and unrighteousness and and judgment. Let's go to the book of John. It's your next scripture verse there on your outline. John chapter 16, starting in verse 8, talking about this power that comes upon you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me concerning righteousness because i go to the father and you will see me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged the holy spirit was given to bring about conviction of sin amen is it no wonder that you can you and i can be doing our thing on a daily basis and all of a sudden You start to go do this, and the Lord is right there going. Ever have the Lord do this to you? And then that's up to you and I. At that point, you have a choice. We all have choices. Now you can go, Lord, I didn't see you. I didn't hear you. And just keep going and do whatever it was that you know. Because here's the thing about the Holy Spirit conviction. It touches us right here. It's not a knowledge thing. It's a heart thing. The Holy Spirit convicts us here in our spirit. And when we know that it's, that it's from the Lord, that's when you got to be very, very careful because now you're toying with the things of God. You're toying with the things that He's asked you. Hey, you need to stay away from that. You need to be aware there are consequences to that. And that's why the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. It also leads us into righteousness it also, He doesn't just tell you, you can't do this, you can't do that, and you can't go here and can't go there. He's also telling you, this is how you lead a life of righteousness. This is what you do. This is how you live. This is how you speak. Amen? The Lord spends more of that than he does correcting you, and I'm thankful for that. The Holy Spirit, how he can lead us and guide us into all righteousness. Can I get an amen? Not only does he convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment, but he guides and teaches. I don't know the scripture for you up here, but it's, in, it's found in John chapter 16 and verse 13. He guides us and teaches us. Just like the, just like the uh, Old Testament Israelites, every day they were guided by the cloud, by the fire at night. God guided them. God still guides you today. Lord, help me today. Give me wisdom today. Lord, I need your direction. Do I take this job? Do I leave this job? Lord, help me with the choices at work that I have this week, how to manage these people, uh, how to manage these business decisions that I got to make it at work. Um, what, whatever it might be, God will give you wisdom and direction, but you got to ask him, amen? And that's what he wants to give you. His Holy Spirit to guide you, to teach you. Also that same power gives us the fruit of the Spirit. It's why you can have love, peace, joy, kindness, goodness, temperance. All those wonderful nine fruit of the Spirit that comes from the Holy Spirit. Because it's not in your nature, I'll tell you that right now. It's not in your nature. It's not in your carnal, earthly, woman, mankind nature to be good, to be kind, to be gentle. How do I know that? All you got to do is go out and fight the traffic any day on a Monday through Friday, and you'll see what kind of nature people have. They, they, the nature rises up with finger pointing and this and that. You'll see guns drawn out on the highway. I mean, there's all sorts of things out here nowadays. God came to give us the fruit of the Spirit. And then I think more importantly than all, the Holy Spirit came to be your counselor. He came to be your comforter. How many have relied on the Comforter over the years to bring them peace, to bring them comfort over the loss of a loved one? He brings us comfort. He brings us peace. That's what he came to do. And that's found in John chapter 14, verse 16. We're not going to take the time to read it. Um, We're almost done here just because my voice is, is going bad. But lastly, comparing the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy Spirit... Both represent God's presence with his people. If I can get some water from back there, please. The ark foreshadowed the coming of the Holy Spirit. The ark that we saw foreshadowed the coming of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit fulfills and surpasses the ark's role. Why? Why? While the ark was limited to physical location, but the Holy Spirit indwells every believer. That's my cup. It's Bianca's. Appreciate that. I didn't pick that color. She did. All right. The ark contained symbols and was partially symbolic, while the Holy Spirit brings transformation and empowerment to us as believers the ark provided guidance through the wilderness and the holy spirit guides us through life's journeys and difficulties of which you and i will have in this life how many know that amen so here as i close i just want to wrap this up with well how can i p- apply that in my life today how uh, what good is this pastor rick so first of all Recognizing the Holy Spirit's presence in our life. Do you recognize, do you make time for the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you make some time to just be alone and let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart? Do you seek the Holy Spirit's guidance and empowerment? Lord, guide me today. Lord, empower me today. I want to have all the power of the Holy Spirit living in my life. Also living a life filled with the fruit of the Spirit. All of us can work on this, can't we? All of us. None of us are perfect on the fruit of the Spirit. I promise you that. You know, and maybe your spouse knows, where you lack. But the Holy Spirit knows of all. And you can ask the Lord, Lord, help me to live a life Spirit-led by the fruit of the Spirit. And then ultimately, you apply that by cultivating a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know what we're doing at the beginning of our our Sundays? Have you noticed the scripture readings and then the prayers? The scripture readings and the prayers at the beginning of every service? Been doing that for over a couple months now. That's intentional to draw us into His presence, into God's presence. When you read God's Word and you reflect on God's Word, God then is there in the midst. Picture that tabernacle. We're putting the sacrifice on the mercy seat, and God is there. What we're doing with our, with our words is we're just declaring, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we love you. We need you. We desire your presence. We desire your, your personal touch in each of our lives. We're doing that so that we can draw into his presence. Amen. And you and I have to do that on our own at home. Hopefully this is not the only church you're getting during the week. Hopefully Sunday is not the only spiritual substance you're getting all week long. If you're able to join us on Zoom on Wednesday nights, great. Because we only got a couple more of those this month. Because then we're going to stop for the year. December we're going to take off and we'll start up in the new year but you got to get your your spiritual your your spirit fed during the week is what I'm trying to say and we got to make time for the Holy Spirit to minister to us amen go ahead and stand with me we're going to close today thank you Lord thank you Father thank you for your spirit that leads and guides I pray, Father, that you would continue to lead and guide all of us here today. No matter what stage we're in, where our life's at, new believer, mature believer, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would continually visit us. Make yourself real to us like never before. Empower us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, help us to seek your guidance and empowerment in our daily lives, that we might know you on a deeper level, that we might walk with you in a different way, that we might seek more forgiveness, more love than ever before. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your prayers, for your presence, Lord. We thank you today. We love you, Lord. We pray your blessings upon Mother Betty today as this is her first weekend living in her home, in her new home in Tracy. We pray your blessings upon her um, condominium that it would sell, just placed on the market, that it would not take long to sell, Lord. We pray, God, that your favor would rest upon her. Anybody else have a need today in their, in their body or know of a need today? Just raise your hand. You don't have to say what it is. Just, Lord, you see the hands raised around us right now. Lord, I believe that's everybody in this place. And Lord, I pray whatever it is that they are going through or the people that they know that are going through something, I pray that you empower them, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus Bring healing, Lord, where the healing touch is needed. Bring strength, Lord, where strength is needed. Bring courage, Lord, where courage is needed. Bring forgiveness, Lord, where forgiveness is needed. Lord, you know exactly how to lead and guide us today. We're praying that you do that, Father, that you lead us and guide us. And we give you thanks and praise today in the wonderful name of Jesus. And as always, we pray this blessing. Just lift your hands one last time as I pray the blessing over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' wonderful name, God bless you and have a great Sunday. Amen and amen.